Kira, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous Meeting on Air. My name is Dan. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just turning all, your, all the guest microphones on, which I hadn't done before. Here we go. So I'm I'm Dan. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Dan. Hi, everyone. And I'm your chairperson for today's meeting. So if you'd like to all join me, and we'll start with the serenity prayer. God, God grant me grant the serenity, serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I'll read the preamble to Alcoholics Anonymous now. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And so in today's meeting, we have a very full studio. It was even fuller before, but we, um, we were a bit short of people, and we, and we put the call out, and AA Wellington answered the call. We had quite a few people out on the street, and a few of them have gone home, but the, a few of them have come into the studio. And we're representing this week uh, Bulls and Bears Group, which is a meeting on Monday night at 730 uh, normally at the Ace Aotearoa uh, building and 192 Tinakori Road, but for the last wee while it's been a Zoom meeting, and it's been working very well as a Zoom meeting, and it's going to reopen again as a, as a live meeting in the near future. So that's quite exciting. All right, well let's um let, let's kick off the sharing then, and I'll, I will ask uh, Deb to share first. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Deb, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Deb. Yeah, and it's really great to be able to come to a face-to-face AA meeting this morning. Um, I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings over the last year because of COVID, and in fact, my home group is now uh, a Zoom meeting, the um, Secular Trans-Tasman meeting on a Wednesday. Um, but there's something very nice about seeing fellow alcoholics and um, seeing people recognising how far they've gone and yeah, just just the face-to-face vibe is really nice. So I'll share a little bit about my experience, strength and hope. So um, I'm an alcoholic, as I said. It took me quite a while to figure out that I was one because um, unlike a lot of things like, I don't know, chicken pox and oh, COVID, other things where it's quite well known what the symptoms are, Alcoholism isn't something that's really taught in schools, and so I didn't have anything to look out for. And my idea of an alcoholic was, you know, an old man in a raincoat drinking something that was stuck in a paper bag, and and that that wasn't me. Um, But when I drank, I had kind of no off switch, so I'd start drinking and I wouldn't stop, even if it wasn't my intention to have lots and lots of drinks. That's what I'd do, and I also had no volume. and um, and I'd take actions that I normally wouldn't intend. So it wasn't just that I got exuberant, I got over-exuberant. I'd climb things. I'd drive um, when I shouldn't. I'd say a lot of things that um, I'd regret. And boy, did I have hangovers. 
Um, and maybe even that would be okay if it was only occasionally, but my drinking got closer and closer together until in the end the reason I drank was usually because it was a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday. I only had seven reasons. Um, and I was lucky, you know, I was watching the telly um, and one night I'd been told by people uh, that I had a problem drinking and that they were worried about me and that they had a problem with my drinking, um, all sorts of things. But one one time I was watching the telly and I, I heard a clear explanation about alcoholism that I just really related to and it was another woman who was in recovery talking about her drinking. It was a simple thing. She talked about drinking a, pi- a quart of wine a night. I looked down at my cask of wine and I just really related to her. But the other thing was that I heard about recovery for the first time and 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 it was something I kind of wanted. Um, and I rang AA um, because I'd heard about it and the woman on the phone told me about her drinking. And again, I related and um, she talked about going to a meeting. I went to my first meeting and my first meeting brought me a lot of ease um, because prior to that, when I tried to not drink, it had been an agonising sort of process and it had always been on my mind, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking. It was hard and it made me anxious. And, um, and, and I went to my first meeting and there was a guy sharing there. He had a cake with one candle on it. He had done 365 days without a drink and he drank like me. I couldn't believe it. You know, because he looked happy. <laughs> and in my mind, 365 days without a drink would not be something to be happy about, even though <laughs> drinking made me miserable. You know, I just, I couldn't conceptualise that not drinking could be an okay thing. Um, so I kept going back to meetings because that's what I wanted. And, you know, people were laughing at my first meeting. People were talking about the stupid stuff they'd done drinking. Not every excruciating, embarrassing detail, but the stupid stuff. And they were laughing at it because they could, because it was in the past. you know. And I like that bit in the big book where it says, you know, we're not going to regret the past. Jeez, when I was drinking, I was constantly regretting the day before, you know. And now I have a life where I'm not regretting, you know, the, the actions that I took yesterday, last week, last month. And those sober days sort of build up so that I'm a person who people want to be around that aren't kind of ganging up on me and saying, hey, Deb, here's this problem. We've all been talking about it and we need to we need to talk to you about it. You know, that, that, that hasn't happened for a very, very long time. Um, I'm, I'm more the sort of person that people think, well, Deb, actually, well, we can rely on her. I like that. You know, I've gone on to have kids in sobriety and jobs where... Um, Bosses never think, well, if she shows up, you know, or something like that, you know. I'm a reliable person today and I get things done and I like that, you know. And I have a full life that's got a lot going on in it. After this, I'm off up for a tramp around um, a bird sanctuary and I'm looking forward to it and I'm not going to have a hangover and I'm going to hang out with people and have good conversations and it's a beautiful day. Um, And back when I was drinking, I didn't have so many of those. Hey, thanks very much for having me here today hand over to the next person. Great. <coughs> Thank you, Deb. All right, this is <coughs> Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. And <coughs> you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. And uh, if you're listening and you want to get in touch with, with AA, there's a website, aa.org.nz. It's got all the information on there to do with where the meetings are. And there's also a way to listen to these meetings as well.
So from that website, aa.org.nz, go to AA meetings and then go to on-air meetings. Click on that. There's a big long list of these meetings that you can listen to, which is wonderful. So you can uh, have a meeting wherever you are, as long as you've got access to the, the old inter- internet. All right, well, let's, um, let's carry on with the sharing now. So, Peter, would you like to share? Sure, hi, my name's Peter, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, hi, and actually, just uh, something about that list, I was thinking about the uh, first time I turned up to a meeting. Um, I just turned up randomly by myself, which is what a lot of people do, but oh, I phoned up, so it's very likely somebody can come around and see you if you wish, but... You know, I just turned up in this room with a whole bunch of people I'd never met before. Um, at the time, I thought I was having a really bad day. It just seemed like a, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic. One more crazy thing to be doing with my life. Um, as it turns out, it was it was really good. Actually, one of the things, I was quite surprised how people can behave however they like, but they were just kind of a really friendly bunch of people and people didn't look the way I expected. Um, for example, I was hanging out with a lot of hairdressers, and so the, I knew the girl in front of me had an asymmetric bob. Um, she was not what I was expecting. Um, but but the okay, so the, the reason I went to that meeting, I I think if somebody I drank a lot. Like for example, my clear idea of an alcoholic was from my mum used to tell these stories when she was in the states, and she was at a party, and this guy was she'd been told he was an alcoholic, and he was somebody's son, and he came in and drank a bottle of uh, whiskey and left. And so that stuck me because it's like a kid's story. It was really easy to imagine that's what they did. Um, so if that was what qualified you, I was definitely that kind of guy. I mean, I used to end up in hospital, which is an excellent place to be an alcoholic, but I think, you know, we were in all sorts of weird jobs. But yeah, I'd come to work, drink a bottle of vodka and be the boss, you know what I mean? And then do the same the next day and the next day and the next day. Um, and I've done the sort of homeless thing and all that kind of thing. I was working in a restaurant in Melbourne um, and my first day at work when I turned up I'd actually got, I'd been out drinking when I got back I hadn't paid for my rent so I had nowhere to stay, I was, all my stuff was locked up. I went to my first day at work early, I had to walk into town and I sl- tried to sleep in a telephone booth before the, it opened. Turned up, did an eight hour shift on hardly any sleep went to a DOS house that was nearby that I'd stayed at 10 years beforehand and uh, got the job and uh, stayed in this DOS house for about a month, I think, while I ran this restaurant. None of that clued me into the fact that I was an alcoholic. But, um, and I was in my, I was 30, I think, and I've been living a variation of this story for years. But I saw this silly movie called Steel Magnolias, which has got nothing to do with alcoholism. It's actually, actually a woman getting a haircut. Um, Dolly Parton's in it, I don't know. But some, there's this woman and she's very sick and there's three particular scenes where she's sick. One of them has to do with getting a haircut. Oh, no, I won't go through all them, but it just made me go, oh, I'm sick. You know, I could empathise with somebody who had a terminal illness. Whereas if you'd sit, and I think because it was kind of so left field, it sort of snuck in under my defence mechanism and, you know, I sort of clued on that I was an alcoholic. I didn't quit the next day. A few more weird things happen, including a, you know, a, a long list of weird things happen over the next five years. Um, but eventually, one day, I just went to my that that first meeting, and it was it was quite strange to, 
you know, I was, you know, sometimes I think being a guy is all about being like my dad, like Westerns, being on a horse all by yourself and being very independent. And I used to bum around by myself when I felt super independent, which is another way of saying alone. Um, and it was really weird when I went to this meeting and all of a sudden I was connecting with other people. It was, I thought we'd just sit around and tell drinking stories and that sort of goes on. But that's good as well. It, empath- it gives you empathy. But I suppose, I don't know, the, I've, I'm not a, I've never been a pregnant woman, obviously, but I imagine it must be very reassuring to be around other pregnant women or other mothers who've had a baby and they say, oh, that is normal. So that was kind of what the vibe was like. It was just just feeling normal amongst this group of people and that was like really cool. And like one of the things about being, you know, we live in intellectual times, I'm a bit of an intellectual, but a lot of things I decide are kind of emotional. Um, and my drinking was kind of this big emotional thing inside of me. And so like it's very easy to decide not to walk in front of a bus you know, it's very easy not to walk up to big, people bigger than me and start abusing them. You know, my self-defense mechanism stops me from doing obviously stupid things. But with alcoholism, I couldn't... I'd find ways around my mind stopping me. Um, you know, some addictions, like I used to smoke, you know what I mean? You just get on with it. Um, there are other things that I've tried that I tried them for a while and managed to put them down. But alcoholism... Um, it was just really hard to do because it kind of coloured in my whole universe and it was very hard to change my universe. Um, and obviously when I try to describe it to other people who aren't alcoholic, because I usually, I was, to me it was a bit like having a crazy girlfriend. It would be more like my wife actually. It was a very deep commitment. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, it, you know, it was this big, you know, love affair and it was passionate and it was great and all, all these fantastic experiences so when I tried to stop because the crazy bitch has been trying to kill me for quite some time I suddenly realized part of me would say you know when you break up with somebody think oh what if we'd done this and we could have you know done that and maybe we could get back you know you know what I mean like for ages it, it's quite hard to break up with somebody you love and that's what it was kind of like with me um, I've now not had a drink for 25 years, which if you'd ever met me back in the old days would be just unthinkable. Um, and I don't get up every morning, you know. I, I, I never think about going to have a drink. It's become my new normal. Um, and there's actually an episode in Star Trek about, I don't know if that's appropriate, but anyway, I've come, no, I'll spare you, but I've come to really enjoy bit reality. Like I used to like enhancing reality by taking and you know, drinking vodka or, dropping acid or mushrooms or something crazy like that. I thought it added to my reality, but without being aware of it, it actually removed me from it. And once I got used to living back in reality, it has its own flavour, it has its own feel. It's like clothes shopping in a real shop via clothes shopping online might be one kind of analogy. It's just, it was an adjustment, but I love it. And, and, you know, I've I've had much better girlfriends. I've Spent a lot of time in India. I've, um, I work in theatre. My life is, you know, it's, it's a lot better. So, yeah, that's my little rave. Oh, and, yeah, I, like, the big thing is I don't, at first it is hard to stop. There's no two ways about it. But, yeah, I, I just, it's just over. I don't, it just, yeah, I just change flavours somewhere along the line. Anyway, thank you.
Thanks, Thanks Peter. So this is Wellington Access Radio, uh, 106.1 FM, and this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. So we've got um, Bulls and Bears as the group in today, so um, wide-ranging people from um, not just Bulls and Bears but other groups as well. And so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on with the sharing. So um, so if you'd like to, um, just, you can move the mic, you can just put it in front of you if you like. It's removable. So, um, yeah. There you go. Um, all right. Um, hi, I'm I'm Sue, an alcoholic. Um, yeah, this is my uh, regular um, meeting I go to on. Well, I do three meetings a week, but my home group is as Bill says it on a Wednesday at five thirty, which um, is really, really been so good for me. Um, I, I've it has um, made me kind of become connected to the AA way of living. Um, I'm now uh, 14 months into sobriety, but that, that, that is after nine years of battling this thing. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in my uh, late 50s now. Um, the, you know, I've, I've always loved drinking. Um, I've probably been drinking since I was about oh gosh no maybe 15 or something like that um remembering that I liked I did like alcohol but you know I I didn't um feel that I was gonna that I had an issue with it I just loved drinking um I socialize, you know, socializing parties, just just having fun, like having a normal. My upbringing was normal, you know. I've good family. I've got a big family. Um, there was drinking involved because my brothers, you know, they're rugby players, so there was always booze around and things, but not not anything that I would think. Oh, there's out. There was. I never thought there was alcoholic kind of behaviour in the family. Um, my parents didn't drink much, or if they did, I, it, it was never an issue for me. So I just, I was, you know, I was allowed to drink. It was no problem in my 20s, just, you know, floated through, having fun times, travelled, always got work, every, you know, normal, normal stuff, but still loving boozing. And I probably, you know, drinking, I'd probably always get drunk when I drank, but. It didn't matter, you know, because it was fun. It was I just had total fun. I just carried on like that right up into my thirties. Um, I, you know, I'm married. I have a wonderful husband. I have two growing up sons. Lovely. I have a. I'm a businesswoman, but yes, yeah, still drinking. Just always drinking, even with our business. You know, we'd have parties and always involving alcohol like everything was involving alcohol but never I still did not think that I had a problem with this but always you know I'd never I, every I would never go out without having to have alcohol or you know go out for dinner to have alcohol there was never a time when I went out and would not drink but that still did not I didn't that was not a problem but the problems of the alcohol probably happened to me in sort of mid 30s when I um not not blaming my my children, but I think with I try to work out why I I ended up drinking like I was drinking, but maybe um, you know I do suffer anxiety. I know that 
um, and then business, the stresses. I don't know what happened, but um, from you know just drinking, thinking it was normal, it it sort of turned. You know, it would be three three nights a week drinking, and then it just got gradual. Like I would, we would drink. My husband and I both drank quite a bit, but he's not an alcoholic. I would, you know, I could easily, he, he would drink, but then I would carry on drinking till probably wee hours in the morning. It didn't matter. And then um, we just, I, it just kept getting worse and worse. And then probably in my 40s, I, I sort of thought, shit, you know, I've got the, I have a problem here because my behaviours were getting, things I was doing was actually inappropriate and, and I thought it was fun, but now I think back to it, it wasn't. And things I did now, I, quin- I quinge at things that I, I did do. And um, when I, I've lost my train of thought, um, just sort of mid, sort of early 50s, so I'd carry on drinking and drinking and drinking. But then in my mid 50s, I don't know what happened. I just thought, crikey, I, my drinking is out of control. So I, I popped myself along to, AA, to an AA meeting I don't know, someone might have said something, but I just went, because I, I, I took it straight away. I just, I, I didn't, wasn't bothered by it. I wasn't bothered by the God thing. I loved the sharing, loved everything. But in three months into it, I wasn't drinking. And then someone had said something at a meeting, so I bailed, and then I started drinking. I was out for two years or something like that. Started drinking again, you know. And then I thought, oh, no, my gosh, I, I need to go back to AA. But at, the second time I went back, my drinking was actually getting worse. Like I was started daily drinking by then. Um, so I went back again two weeks and stopped. And this carried on for me for nine years. So I did four times. I'm now back. This is my fourth time in. Um, I've been year 15, oh, 14 months, as I said, sober. But before I came in, I was actually drinking, at, starting to drink at 6.30 in the morning. Um, I was getting up to three bottles of wine a day, uh, driving the car while I was drinking. Um, I just could not do anything without it, honestly. I, I, I would think, I'll go half an hour. I won't start drinking till 2 o'clock, something like that. I couldn't last. I just could not do it. I would water my wine down. I only drink wine. Um, you know, I was doing all the typical stuff, driving around to different shops, hiding it in bins, trying to clear all the bottles out without my husband seeing it because I told him I wasn't drinking, but, you know, I obviously was. Not having the wine in the fridge, would hide it in my... because I work from home, so it was easy for me to do. It was just awful. So then I... it really was terrible. I was starting to look at myself in the mirror and go, what the hell, you know, what just looking at myself and seeing an ugly reflection and thinking, what the hell are you doing? You've really got to stop drinking. But I couldn't. I just could not do it. I couldn't. So anyway, I just popped myself off into AA again, and something, I don't know what happened, something clicked. I made a connection. I did all the things that were suggested, like get a sponsor. She went through the steps with me. I just keep doing what people were telling me to do, and I keep going back because I just thought I could not stop drinking. I just, I thought that's it. I can't stop. I have stopped um, and I feel amazing, but it is still, you know, I, I have to keep doing, keep doing what's suggested. I have to do my regular meetings. 
I do start to do a little bit of praying in the morning, but it's just to, I just pray for my family and just to for to help with the desire of drinking to go. Um, my life is is good. I'm happy. I sleep better. My anxiety levels are down, and I'm feeling connected to to life. I mean, I sometimes think, where have I been all my life? Because I I was I don't know where I was. I can't rem I can't remember things. I'm starting to remember things now. My mind, my brain is rewiring back to normality. So, um, yeah, I'm so, I'll use the word grateful, but I am grateful and life is is good. I want to have a good second part of my life sober. Um, anyway, I'll leave it there. Thanks. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Sue. <coughs> this is uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. And this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. We've got a, a full studio for Bulls and Bears today and, and other parts around and about Wellington. So if you're listening and you want to get in touch with, with AA, what you can do is go onto the website aa.org.nz. There's lots of information about AA, about where the meetings are, about what happens at meetings. There's a big button on there that says, I need help. So you can click on that. And the options are, I need to find a meeting, I need to talk now, it's got the phone number, which is 0800-229-6757. So yeah, that, that number, 0800-229-6757. And another button is, I need some information. And there's lots of information available for individuals, for members, and also for the professional community. Uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> so um, let's just carry on right on with the, with the sharing. So, Jono, would you like to share? Thanks, Dan. My name's John Owen. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, John O. I thought I'd find this easier if I didn't sit on the left-hand side of the studio so I didn't have to go first. never gets any easier, though, eh? I was just... I wasn't really sure what I was going to talk about today. So I read, read today's reflection. I get them off the AA website. I'm not sure if they're actually on the New Zealand one, but they're definitely on AA.org. A lot of free literature there if anybody's interested in it. Yeah, today's one's about um, I can't think myself sober. It says that even the, not even the greatest minds in the world are immune to the, the powers of alcoholism. I guess I'm not, not sure that I can relate to being one of the greatest minds on earth, but I can certainly relate to trying to think myself sober. So I've spent a great deal of my life trying to think myself sober. started drinking when I was 15 years old. These kind of vague memories, I think some of them are probably made up about my 15th birthday. I definitely know for sure that I drank a whole bottle of vodka at age 15. Blacked in and out, waking up in several different places. Ended up waking up alone on a street somewhere. That was my 15th birthday. Fabulous. Um, from then, I was actually about a dozen a day drinker without any kind of... You know, I didn't, I didn't progress into it. It was like... I found what made me when I was 15. Like I was always a nervous child and I just wanted to, I think subconsciously I wanted to find something that made me not me. Um, and I found that when I drank, like I was just afraid of everything. And I found that when I drank, I didn't have to think about anything. I didn't have to be afraid of myself or other people because, I don't know, it made me feel superhuman. But it also made me really miserable when I wasn't drinking, which I think is 
why I continued. It's like once that switch was turned on, it was incredibly hard to turn it off. And I spent the next over 20 years, actually, I'm 37 now, trying to find a way to actually stop. Um, it was like my life wasn't... Um, I, n I never really grew up so much. My life wasn't progression. It was just a series of escalations. Um, everything just seemed to get worse and worse and worse, so I drank more, and the spiral continued um, until about, actually almost eight years ago now. Um, I was afraid to go to my 30th birthday because I didn't want to, I wasn't sure where I'd wake up or who I would hurt, who I would get in a fight with, what I'd break, where I'd get kicked out of. Um, I was in a relationship that was actually going quite well at that stage. Um, and I just had the sensation that if I went and got smashed that particular day, it would all end. Um, so I didn't, I didn't even want to go to my own 30th. Um, but I did, and I did get smashed. My relationship didn't fall apart at that stage, but I did get arrested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, it was just the way that the way that my mind worked. Like I could see this shit about to happen. I could predict it with a hundred percent accuracy, but I couldn't do anything about it. Um, my life was completely unmanageable, and I was totally aware of it. Um, but I didn't know what to do, so I tried to think myself sober. I tried to think myself into recovery, um, and it wasn't until about three years later, three years worth of trying to moderate, trying to control the way that I drank. But I actually went and sought help somewhere. Um, been through counselling and psychotherapists and psychiatrists and another um, recovery service. I've been through rehab. Um, and, I mean, they helped. They started me on the path towards some kind of recovery. Like asking for help is actually the first step, I think. It's one of the hardest things to do. Um, accepting that you can't do it yourself. But for me, like, I'd never asked for help from anybody before. The only help that I'd ever tried for was in the bottom of a glass bottle. Um, and not having that help was confusing. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what else, where, to, where else to go. Um, but it took a further four years for me to get to one year, which... Um, Somebody else is saying about reaching 365 days. I'm just like so, I'm almost 14 months now. The idea of reaching my one year was just such a foreign concept. Like, I, I, I honestly didn't even think that I would do it, you know, especially do it in the year of COVID. Um, I often don't know what to do with myself now, now that I'm at 365 days. Um, I know that when I was at nine months, I felt like I'd reached some kind of... Um, Pinnacle, it was the longest time that I've ever been sober in my entire life at that point, or at least my life since I was 15. Um, <laughs> and it's like when I, when I reached that kind of mental roadblock at nine months, it's like it all came back again. The crazy came back, and I thought, well, I've, fuck, I've done it now. May as well, may as well reward myself. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, and the only reason that I... I really feel like the only reason that I didn't go back to drinking at nine months was because I decided to do a 90 and 90, do 90 meetings in 90 days to actually make sure that I made it to 12 months. Um, but 
something happened to me, I think, around Christmas, which is, I mean, Boxing Day, 26th of January is my is my anniversary, but it's like that switch turns on, another switch turns on, the old one turns off. I can't, um, I don't know when it happened or what it was, but I can't think of anything worse than actually going and having a drink again now. I have these, um, I mean, that's not to say that I don't sometimes still get those thoughts even after a year, like, oh, should it be... What a great day. It'd be great to go and have a, have a, have a, have a drink now, wouldn't it? But um, I'm, a, I'm able to, to quell them now. You know, when, they, when they come into my head, I'm, a, I'm able to recognise that that is a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and <laughs> um, I have the support network around me thanks to AA, thanks to meetings, thanks to my sponsor that I can, um, I can call someone who relates to me and understands what is going through my head and just how um, batshit crazy I am, really. Um, and they can, they can talk to me without judgment and agree that those sorts of things are a terrible idea. Hey, let's go and get lunch instead. Um, and, you know, so, so far it's, it's worked. Um, in spite of all the therapy that I've been through, um, it's been AA that's stopped me from drinking that's provided me the support that I needed to do that. Um, therapy helps me with other things. Um, I suffer from chronic anxiety and depression, but I can't deal with those if I'm still drinking. I can't turn up to therapy sessions if I'm still drunk. <laughs> you know, um, actually stopping drinking was the stepping stone to sorting the rest of my life out. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's extreme, but it's true as well. Um, it's no joke that I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for AA, so I'm forever grateful to um, to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure if that entirely relates to today's daily reflection, but here we are. <laughs> you can't think yourself sober. I know that I couldn't. I certainly couldn't think myself sober. I had to actually take action. Um, the first action was seeking help, uh, which was the, the biggest step and the hardest step. I think, but uh, once you're on the on that on that journey, once the journey starts, it does get easier, and um, it does get better. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, Jono. This is uh, as I said, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air, and um, we're just going around the room and sharing our experience, strength, and hope, and um, yeah, it's been some good, really good sharing today. And um, next, I'd like to ask. Shane to share. Thank you, Dan. Um, hello, I'm Shane. I'm an alcoholic. And it's really a pleasure to be here. And, and I'm very grateful to be here too, to uh, see my fellow tribal members as well and be with them and also to be able to share a little bit of experience, strength and hope, uh, hopefully for someone out there who may need it and to know that there is help out there uh, for people who have, you know, struggle with um, their drinking or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think the first time, well, I mean, I remember um, growing up, uh, we grew up on the farm in Mangakino Way, which is um, sort of like north, northwest of Topo in the, in the middle of nowhere and amongst the hill country. And my stepfather was a shepherd from Australia and... Um, <clears throat> We had a big family. We had 11 of us kids in the family, but the older brothers had 
Now, one went on a Mormon mission, so he jumped on a 10-speed bike, and the other two joined the bikey gangs, and they took off on Triumphs. And um, so we're, there was most of my sisters, all of my sisters and myself at home, and uh, I was kind of like number eight in the line. And um, But my stepfather was a, um, uh, he was an unwell uh, person, unwell man. He was... Um, he had um, uh, anger issues, and and among other issues, and um, and it wasn't a very happy home at all. And we seemed to live at the end of the road, you know. Whenever we moved, we moved seemed to move around a lot from sheep station to sheep station. Obviously, from him losing his jobs, but um, <clears throat> but you know, the end of the road became a kind of a symbolic thing for me throughout my life. <laughs> Always meeting the end of the road and. But, um, you know, I didn't get my first, I had my first drink when I was nine years old, you know, and it was a, a stolen ABC bottle of DB Draft out of a crate at the back of a Land Rover in a country um, party and drank it with my cousins and I was so thirsty I sculled it. And I was nine years old and they said, oh, gee, you drink that like cordial. And because uh, it was so hot and it was over Gisborne anyway, I remember that. And had my first cigarette, which was a Rossman's and threw up. And... Um, but I didn't really get drunk until I was 14. That was the first drunk that I had, the first time I drank and got drunk. And I never really liked the taste of alcohol, but I really enjoyed the effect. I think most people do. Eh? Almost everyone does. Otherwise, they'd be all on orange juice and Coca-Cola. And, you know, and, um, but I, I, I loved the effect it had in that tiddly, happy, joy, joy, you know, having a good time. Oh, my gosh, you know, we're all on the same page, man. We're just, you know, chiming. I can play pool much better. I can sing karaoke much better. I can do things much better. I can talk to people because I no longer have that fear that had been bottled up for decades. And 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 uh, I felt more that gave me that confidence, you know. But I'd always go over the top with drinking. It would always be overextended and always, you know, like trying to kind of maintaining that totally happy time, but ending up, you know, like making a a dick of myself really, you know, like murdering the, the song and, and, and bloody karaoke or, or or you know everybody would think oh man what a pool player you're cool you know and then the window would slam shut and next minute kaboing and the white goes off the table and the and next minute I'm you know ripping the felt with the cue and um <laughs> and it just and it just didn't get it didn't get better it got worse <laughs> you know as years went by but I I did get married, you know, when I was 23 and, and married for th- uh, 13 years. And um, and I was a member of the Mormon church even uh, at the time. And so I believed in God pretty much all along the way. Uh, there were just a lot of times that I just didn't care much. I just like, oh, yeah, God's there. Okay, whatever, next. And um, and then, um, <clears throat> but we, we had five children, one, uh, four girls and a boy, um, you know, of course, they're all grown up now. The youngest is 23, the oldest girl is 36. Two of them think they're adopted out of the Kardashians. And uh, But um, it wasn't a happy marriage because I still had the issues that I had with alcoholism, I think, entrenched into my nature and my personality. And and it needed to be routed, you know, somehow. But I didn't know how. I just thought, oh, well, uh, you know, the the booze and the devil's lettuce is going to help me through the, in the meantime. And... Um, and so I did a lot of that. Um, but my behavior, you know, not just from drinking, but not drinking, I could do some bizarre and even bad, very bad behavior, even without being drunk. And and I, was, I found myself being very fearful all the time, 
always defensive, always on eggshells, and always afraid of everything, even virtually my own shadow. So, like, I ended up being either a, a, a doormat for people, or I'd just flip right over to the other side and just nut out, you know. And it's like, oh my God, what's wrong with him? You know, what's his problem? You know, my ex-wife, she said, when we went to seek counselling, we divorced in 97, but when we sought counselling for it, you know, a counsellor said, can you say two things about Shane? She said, yeah, good father, but a shit husband, you know. And she was pretty much right, you know. I was pretty good with the kids, you know. I'd read them bedtime stories. I'd get another child because I felt like a, a, a child anyway. Vulnerable all the time, you know, and just uncertain about life. Really naive. I couldn't believe how naive I had been. But... um you know, AA, uh, sorry, alcohol made, gave me the confidence to want to um, 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 overcome those things, you know, took away the fear and things like that for that time. But then, you know, yeah, as I say, it was like my, I ended up being a blackout drunk. I ended up being violent and having to do anger management. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I had serious problems. Um, my, um, I had a, 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 this, a girlfriend from the Ukraine in 2000, and one, and um, and she asked me, oh, what kind of car you got? I said, oh, it's a Honda POS. She said, what's a POS? I said, it's a piece of shit. It's a, um, <clears throat> it had no window, back window, no warrant, no reg. It had been green, red, pink stickered, and um, and and it, and it started with a screwdriver. Anyway, I was living in a sad bastard flat in Miramar with um, a mum and her, two, and her two kids living upstairs, and I was right at the zenith of my drinking career, I call it, where I was, like, very sick and very lonely and on my own, and only a few people would come to visit me. Um, I was very lonely and very, you know, filled with self-pity, and, you know, here's me in my sad bastard flat and baked beans for Christmas again. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, and the mum upstairs buys her kids pogo sticks for Christmas, and it's just like bonk, bonk, bonk on the ceiling. It's like, oh, my God. And um, anyway, I was in a terrible state because, you know, I was getting arrested and put inside a, a quite a number of times, and and from blackout drinking as well, I was, I was getting worse. I was getting violent. I was getting worse. And I knew deep inside myself I was going to go to jail. I knew that. And it was only a matter of time, and I was just absolutely filled with fear. And um, <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that was at the time. Well, you know, yeah, my flash hot POS car got stolen, and when I found out, you know, my mate says to me, ah, about a week later, he goes, he goes, um, ah, his car's up the road, mate. And so I took I took to it with an axe when I was drunk one night and got chased down by a police dog and arrested once again. Yeah, so there it is. But I mean, I found AA has really saved my life. It really has given me a life that I couldn't imagine. And, um, you know, I'm going to stop talking now, otherwise I'll have to join the other fellowship, which is called On and On and On. <laughs> but I'm very thanks for being here, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this has been a really um, great meeting of... Um, AA meeting on air. Uh, it's 106.1 FM again, and yeah, it's been nice to have a group in the studio. The, the group could have been twice as big. We had people queuing outside the door, um, wanting to get in, and then we realised we had didn't have enough chairs, and so yeah. But it's been a really really good meeting, and I'll just I'll just go over again the the details of the website, which is aa.org.nz. 
And on that website, there's lots of things. There's the phone number, which is 0800-229-6757. There's a big long list of AA meetings. There's um, live meetings, online meetings, and also on-air meetings, which are the recordings of these broadcasts. All of those you can access from the website, aa.org.nz. And we've also got a Facebook page. It's called AA On Air Wellington. And every so often we'll post something on there just to keep everybody informed as to as to what's going on. So, um, yeah, that's that's about <coughs> about all from us today. Um, yeah, if if, <coughs> if you if you need to get in touch with AA, then there's yeah, the phone number 0800-229-6757. But let's um, let's all join together and um, close with the Serenity Prayer. So, if you'd like to all join me, God, God. grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.